Welcome to the Creekwood Church Podcast. At the end of this episode, please take a moment to download our app so you can keep up with everything happening at Creekwood. We hope this message inspires you and helps you discover practical ways to live a life of purpose. Enjoy. Well, good morning. It is great to have everyone. I hope you're doing well. Um, It is so good to finally be through the ice storm. Um, I know that all the northerners here, you're like, what was that? It's not an ice storm, but to us it is. The world shuts down when we get a little bit of ice here. But it's great to have everyone. I want to give a big shout out to those of you that are in our overflow. I know We've got a lot of people sitting in our overflow, and also those of you that are joining us online, thank you so much for just taking time to join in on the service today. Um, I want to get into our teaching today, if you've got your Bibles, and go to Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2 is where we're going to be at, and um, I want to talk to you about a, a topic that you, I'm, I'm sure that you struggle with it. And we're going to talk about the subject of complaining. <laughs> How many of you complained about the ice? Lots of us. Okay. You were ready to get out of the house. Some of you were like, I love it. Um, but I want to talk to you about this, this topic, and um, you know, when you think about complaining, the Bible has a lot to say about it, and I, I don't believe that a lot of us really understand the um, what 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 com- complaining does to us and how it affects our lives. And the Apostle Paul in Philippians chapter 2, verse 14, says, do everything without complaining or arguing. And I want us to say that together. I want you to help me today. Let's say, do everything without complaining or arguing. So, If you want to write this down today, there is a command against complaining, and it's very straightforward that God commands us not to complain. See, I don't think that we are complaining because of a lack of necessity. I think many of us, the reason why we're complaining is it is because of an unrecognized abundance of blessing, that we don't recognize how blessed we really are. And we complain about our job, we complain about our, our friends, we complain about our house, we complain about our car. Um, it's so easy to complain, just to complain and complain. And um, yet, what I want to show you today is that the truth is, is that few sins are uglier to God than the sin of complaining. That's why a message like this today, I believe, is so important for us to listen to 
and to talk about this is because I believe that I know it's February and we're, we're still kind of looking at the beginning of the year and we're trying to make a lot of adjustments and things and how we want to change our life. And I think it's an important topic to talk about as we recalibrate our spiritual compass and looking and saying, you know, what is complaining really doing to my life? So we have this command that we're not supposed to com- complain and um, I know when you automatically read that passage of Scripture that, that the Apostle Paul wrote to us, it's easy to, to think that, well, God, there's got to be an exception clause for my situation. I know God, you know, you, wrote, you inspired the Apostle Paul to write this, but God, you and I know better. Because what's going on in my life, I need to complain about it. And I think God knew we would think that. This is why he had the writer of this verse write it from prison. That the Apostle Paul was was in prison when he wrote it. He was persecuted, he was beaten, falsely accused, all kinds of stuff was happening, and yet he says, do everything without complaining or arguing. When you look at this word complaining, and you begin to study it in the Bible, one of the things that you begin to see is that it's also used in in the context of the original language, it actually means an evil thinking is that do everything without complaining or without evil thinking or self-centered thinking. That Paul is is showing us that actually when you and I are complaining, we're sinning. And why is there a clear command for us to stop complaining? One, look, God knew, and God always knows better than scientists. It takes us a long time to realize the the truths that the Bible, you know, the Bible's been talking about this for a long time, but scientists, you know, have found that, you know, Stanford researchers did a study that, that of what happens to your brain when you complain and that, um, you know, actually when you are actively complaining or you're actively listening to someone else complain for 30 minutes or more, it literally affects your brain in a negative way. So later on today, if somebody's complaining to you, you need to say, you're affecting my brain. (laughs) You're burning my brain cells here. My wife teaches on this. And so she knows a lot more about this than I do as far as what, how it affects your brain. But the, there's actually the side of the region of your brain called the hippocampus, a part of the region of the brain that is actually, it's, it's the region that deteriorates when you have Alzheimer's. And it's the region that you use for learning and it monitors our moods. And the, the hippocampus of your brain is neg- negatively affected when you're complaining. So, so research and scientists show us that it's, it's not good for us to complain, but the Bible 
is really firm about this. And I think every once in a while, we need somebody to wake us up about this and what it does in our life and and why is it important. Look at verse 15 of Philippians. It says, so that you may become blameless and pure. It actually, it affects your holiness. It affects your, your purity. It's almost like complaining. Listen to this. Complaining is a gateway to other sins in your life. It opens the door for a lot of things that essentially lead us down a sinful path. So complaining is a sin and it opens the door to the devil. And it says, so that you may become blameless and pure children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. We live in a warped and crooked generation. But listen to what it says. Then you will shine among them like stars in the sky. Do you know that it's impossible to witness to somebody when you're complaining? Try it today when you go to lunch. Complain to the server about what an awful server she is or he is and complain about the food. And then after, after you, know, you get done and you finish your meal, say, you know, I want to tell you how good God is. And it's so good serving God. I just have the joy of the Lord all the time. See, I, I don't think that what breaks God's heart is that, that people are sitting around running their mouth complaining in a bar. What's that bar in Rendon uh, Hoots? I've, I was trying to test y'all to see if anybody's been hanging out at Hoots lately. I'm amazed how many people, I drive by, I live out in that direction and I go by there and I always tell my wife, say, who's their designated driver? Anyways, I'm getting a little distracted. But, you know, God doesn't care. He's not, I don't believe that he's bothered by people sitting around complaining in a bar, complaining in the White House, or complaining, you know, people that are not Christ followers. What I believe bothers God is that Christ followers are complaining. And it actually... I don't think we think about this enough. And what, 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 a, what a damnable effect it has on your spiritual life when you complain. Complaining is just so easy. I mean, you think about if somebody were to tell you to stop complaining, like the rest of the day, you would not have another word to say. Some of you in your relationship, in your marriage, if there was no, if no complaining was allowed, would there be any conversation? It would be crickets. You're like, I'm on it. You're like, you ain't got nothing to say. I'm on a verbal fast. (laughs) But when it's like, let's, let's complain about this or complain about that and blah, 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 blah. oh you want to go eat <laughs> doesn't it kind of sound like that a little bit we're just complaining 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 do you know that there's actually an addictive aspect to complaining that once you start it's very hard to stop complaining 
we complain about the weather, we complain about this, we complain about that, and, and it just kind of starts to get blurry. And there's, there's so much in the Bible that tells us of what God thinks about when we complain. When you automatically, you can go to the Old Testament and you can begin to look and see that the Old Testament is full of, of stories and, and real life stories of people that complained and complained and complained and they never were able to reach the, the place that God wanted to take them. Their complaints, their complaining actually kept them from the destination that God wanted to take them to. It actually is a part of your life that will sabotage you quicker than anything else. The nation of Israel, and I think it's a, it, just a, a beautiful analogy or metaphor of the Christian life when you look at, at how God worked in their life. And, you know, the Israelites, they were in bondage for 400 years in Egypt, and, and they cried out to God. They begged God, and the Bible says that God actually heard them crying out to God for deliverance. He called Moses to go and, and, and get the Israelites out of Egypt. And God takes them on this amazing journey and gets them out of Egypt, delivers them through just supernatural miracles that he does, that he bows, like Pharaoh bows up to God over and over, I'm not gonna let them go. And do you know that there's, there is a Satan, there are demons in hell that think they can't, that you will never be free from your bondage and what you've gone through in your life and God is, is setting you free or he has set you free and he has brought you through that. But what's crazy is that the Israelites immediately coming out of Egypt, they start complaining and they never stop. Exodus 15, and I'm going to just kind of rattle off a bunch of verses here because I want you to see how bad it was. Exodus 15, 24, it says, then the people complained and turned against Moses. Exodus 16, 2, there too the whole community of Israel complained. Exodus 16, 9, present yourself before the Lord for he has heard your complaining. Exodus 17, 2, so once more the people complained. Numbers 11, 1, so soon the people began to complain about their hardship. Numbers eleven four, and the people of Israel also began to complain. Numbers 14, 2, they complained. Number, numbers 14, 27, the Lord said, how long must I put up with this wicked community with its complaints about me? And I want you to hear me when I say this, when you complain about your car, when you complain about your house, when you complain about your spouse, when you complain about your boss, you're not complaining about your boss. You're not complaining about your house. You're not complaining about your car. You're complaining about God. This is why co complaining is a sin. See, complaining distorts our view of rea reality. Here's what happens when you start complaining. It starts to distort everything around you. It negatively distorts the past. 
You start getting in the habit of complaining about your marriage and your spouse. And before long, what you're going to hear out of your mouth is, you know, we've never really loved each other. And I could tell you, I cannot tell you how many times I've heard couples tell me this is that, you know, man, it starts to distort your mind and people that knew you and knew y'all when y'all were dating and when y'all, y'all, y'all were bawling because you were like, God, you put her in my life. God, you, you like, this is a miracle, God, that she wanted to marry me or he wanted to marry me. And, and now you're like, oh my God, what are you thinking? God, you messed up. And it starts to distort our view of the past. It even distorts our view of the, of the future. And we can't see reality. And, and this is what's happening to them. In Exodus 16, 2, it says, There too the whole community of Israel complained Moses and Aaron. If only the Lord had killed us back in Egypt, they moaned. They were, they were sat, they sat around pots filled with meat and ate all the bread we wanted. But now we have brought... Now you have brought us into this wilderness to starve us to death. They're coming out of the, like, they're in these tents and they're, they're camping and, and uh, that's the way they lived and they were, they were in the wilderness and every time they would, you know, they, they'd come out of their tent and there was donuts, you know, falling from the sky. And, you know, anything made in heaven is going to be good. God's not sending, you know, throwing down, oh, that was biting into something. That's nasty. Throw it down to them. But they're, they're going along and, and they're picking up all these amazing things that God's provided in their life. And they're well, I don't like this. Oh, oh, go get that right there. Pick it up right there. And, and, and oh, I don't like it. And we just complain and it starts to distort our views. And it's so easy, again, to, to allow ourselves to um, complaining. Can, it, again, it can become a way of life, and it starts to distort our view of, of reality. You know, um, like you, last week, you know, we were on lockdown or whatever. We couldn't get out because lockdown is not a good word. Some of y'all are like <laughs> PTSD. of like, I don't want to be under lockdown. We had the ice storm. We couldn't get outside. And you know, Friday, you know, finally, by the end of the week, we were able to. And Friday, I went to get a, get a haircut. And um, I was getting out of my car. And um, there's the wide sidewalk along the building to walk in. And um, there was a mom with two kids and small children that she was taking them in to get, a little girl and a little boy. The little boy broke loose from her mom and came running towards me. And just grabbed a hold of my leg, and it just, I was like, oh, this kid, he, like, he loves me, and he thinks I'm his daddy. <laughs> now, <laughs> I want to put you at ease. I don't have some kids somewhere in Berlin that y'all don't know about. <laughs> You're, some of y'all are like, is he getting ready to tell us he's got a kid somewhere? No. But he held my hand, and he was holding my hand, and we're walking up, and the mom comes smiling. She's like, I'm so sorry. She, you know, I'm so sorry he did that. He thinks you're his papa. I'm like, 
girl, I'm not that old. You know, in your mind, you think you're younger than you are. Can I hear an amen? And, you know, I was like, kid, get away from me. It's like, <laughs> but we're about to walk in. And right when we're walking in, she gets right up in my face and she says, you do look like his papa. <laughs> the little boy was kind of catty corner getting his hair cut and he had a sucker in his mouth. And the whole time he was staring at me. And I was looking in the mirror and I was like, man, I'm getting old. And I was complaining to the lady that was cutting my hair. And I was like, you know, I'm getting old. I, I like, do we need to try a new hairstyle? I was trying everything. I came home and I was complaining about it. And it's just easy to, to complain and, and, and our view of things start to get distorted of what the reality is of what's really going on in our life. And I think that the Israelites, it was so easy for them to complain you know, just complain and to um, question God. Exodus 16, seven says, in the morning you will see the glory of the Lord because you have, you, he has heard your complaints which are against him, not against us. Again, listen, when you're complaining, you're not complaining about your, you're complaining to, about God. And what you're saying, it is the height of pride when you do this because what happens is what we're communicating to God is that, God, I don't like your method. And I don't like the way you're ordering my life. I don't like your timing. I don't like the way you're doing this. God, if, if you were as smart as me, you would do it differently. So I'm gonna, I, I am going to complain about everything that you put in my life. What we, what we have done that you should complain about us, Moses added, the Lord will give you meat to eat in the evening and bread to satisfy you in the morning for he has heard all your complaints against him. What have we done? Yes, your complaints are against the Lord, not against us. And I love that Moses like, yeah, it's not, it's not me you're complaining against, you're complaining against God. Complaining focuses on what God isn't doing instead of what God is doing. Complaining focuses on what God isn't doing instead of what God is doing. And um, you know that it's important that you surround yourself with the right people in your life? I can't say that enough. This is why we have life groups, that you get connected. And by the way, let me just kind of tell you, our brand new semester for life groups has gone live. You can go online and look at, at, at all the different life groups and uh, it's just an incredible opportunity that we provide as a church to, for you to, to get connected to people. And do you know that if you get the wrong people in your life, it's very easy to complain about things? And especially people that, that are not Christ followers are not going to remind you about what God is doing. You know, you're complaining to your, your friend that doesn't know the Lord about your, your husband by the way, ladies, if everywhere you go and every time you get close to somebody, you have to privately complain about your husband, I want to caution you. Hey, men, I teed that up for y'all. Come on, y'all. Come on. That was good. Numbers 11.4 says, then the foreign rabble who were traveling 
Who, who are the foreign rabble? The foreign rabble are people that were foreigners that were not Israelites, but they were a part, they were in Egypt and they wanted to go with the Israelites. And so they left Egypt with the Israelites and they're with them. And, and it says, who were traveling with the Israelites began to crave the good things of Egypt. And the people of Israel also began to complain, oh, for some meat. They exclaimed, but now are we ever, all we ever see is the manna. Psalms 78, 18 says that they stubbornly tested God in their hearts, demanding the foods they craved. They even spoke against God himself saying, God can't give food in the wilderness. Verse 20, yes, he can strike rocks so water gushes out, but he can't give his people bread and meat. When the Lord heard this, heard them, he was furious. Complaining focuses on what God isn't doing instead of what God is doing. And, and you know, let me just say this, that, you know, God took them in the wilderness. And the Bible actually tells us that God actually took them the long way. And they're in the wilderness and they start to believe that actually the wilderness is where they're always going to be. And this is where a lot of us, why we complain so much is we think our wilderness is where we're always going to be. And the wilderness is, is, a, is, a, is a season that God's got to take you through to get Egypt out of you, to change your mindsets, to change, to, to, to change the, the mindsets that you have in your life. And what happens is God does all of these miracles. Some of you remember your story of what you used to be like and where you used to be. God's taken you through this. And now all of a sudden you find yourself kind of in a season of wilderness and it's easy to want to run your mouth against God instead of saying, God, I don't really understand what you're doing, but God, I trust you. You work and you do what you want to do in my life. You look at when they got to the Red Sea, what did they do? They turned around and they were like, they were running their mouth again. They were looking at Moses and they're saying, Moses, you brought us all the way to the Red Sea for us to die. And we're going to die in this, in, in this Red Sea because they couldn't cross it. And do you know that the Red Sea wasn't for the Israelites, the Red Sea was meant for the enemies of the Israelites. Follow me here. Think about this for a moment is that, that God parted the water, but they were thinking they weren't going to get through the water. The water was where God was going to destroy Egypt's enemy, Israel's enemy. And this is where the Bible tells us that they, all the, the, the armies of Egypt that in their chariots, they all drowned. And I, I think this is such a powerful moment to think about this is that could it be maybe that, that the reason why you're facing a Red Sea in your life that seems impossible, that you are like, I don't know why we're going through this and this is the hardest trial, hardest thing we've ever been through and this is, this is all, all along been a setup for God to 
to kill and to destroy the, the area that, that Satan has been trying to use to sabotage your life. I would just tell you, stop worrying about the water. It's not for you, it's for your enemy. Stop freaking out about the water. It's not gonna drown you. It is for your enemy. See, God, if, if this was all about, let me just get saved and that's it, then God, the minute you get saved, he would have beamed you up to heaven and said, we got them, get them out of here quick before they do anything bad. <laughs> Hurry, get them out of here before they even walk out of this church right now, get them. No, God has to take you through a process. He is taking you somewhere incredible. He has a promised land for your life. And, and too many of us complaining is keeping us from that. Complaining fosters unbelief. Numbers 13, 31, but the other men who had explored the land with him disagreed. We can't go up against them. They, they are stronger than we are. So they spread this bad report about the land among the Israelites. Numbers 14, one says, then the whole community began weeping out loud and they cried all night. This, doesn't that sound like a lot of us? And I'm not, listen, I'm not standing up here all self-righteous telling y'all, y'all, I don't struggle with this. We all struggle with this. Their voices rose in a great chorus of protest against Moses and Aaron. If only we had died in Egypt or even in the wilderness, they complained. Why is the Lord taking us to this country only to have us die in battle? Our wives and our little ones will be carried off as plunder. Wouldn't it be better for us to return to Egypt? See how complaining um, exaggerates the worst? And what it does is that it, it creates complaining, fosters unbelief, and your fear actually becomes the language that you speak. So the language that you're speaking, it, it's fear, and it's the complaints that you are complaining. Again, it's a language of fear. And again, um, you're questioning God's work in your life. You're questioning what God is doing. Complaining gives voices to demonic wisdom. Again, we, we've got to realize that habitual complaining is not just annoying. It can be evil. The Bible tells us that Satan is the great accuser of the brethren. Go read the book of Job and where, where, where Satan goes to God and he's complaining to God about Job and he's gossiping about Job. Go read in, in, in Genesis from the very beginning of the Bible that you see Satan continually getting us to question God. Think about this. The Bible tells us that God inhabits the praises of his people. Who do you think inhabits complaining? Satan inhabits complaining. So it's just like in your house. If you play worship music or you're worshiping God, you're saying, God, I want you to inhabit. I want you to inhabit my home, inhabit my life. And when you're complaining, what you're communicating to Satan is, Satan, I want you to inhabit my home, inhabit my marriage, inhabit my life because I don't trust God. I don't trust God to take care of me. 
Our words are incredibly spiritual and Satan knows it. Listen, Numbers 14.3 says, why is the Lord taking us to this country only to have us die in battle? Where's that coming from? It's not coming from heaven. Or wives, our wives, our little ones will be carried off as plunder. Wouldn't it be better for us to return to Egypt? Do you think that that's coming from angels? It's not coming from God. It's not coming from faith. Wouldn't it be better for us to return to Egypt? In other words, they're saying, God, you don't know what you're doing. It, let's just, we're going to go our own way. Then they plotted among themselves, Let, let's choose a leader and go back to Egypt. Hell itself is animating their voice. I want to ask you, is hell animating the voice, the words that are coming out of your life that you are speaking over your family? That you're speaking over your marriage, that you're speaking over your finances, that you're speaking over your life. Is Satan using that in your life? See, there's too much at stake for us to ignore this and say, you know what, it's innocent, no big deal. Complaining, there's too much at stake. Amen. Do you know that, that your kids are listening to you complain every day? Amen. This is where it gets a little. Uncomfortable. But our kids are listening to you. Your grandkids, grandparents, listen to me. What, when your kids bring your grandkids and the whole family is together and your grandkids are listening to their parents talk to you, what are they listening to their grandparents talk about? Are they coming away with, you know what, me, mom, I don't know what you call people, you know, <laughs> papa, whatever, I don't know. Whatever they call you. They sure are scared. They sure are fearful. They sure are angry all the time. You know, around the kitchen table, around the, you know, in the, around the bar in, your, in, in the kitchen, you know, your kids hearing you run down the teachers at the school. And we can all, we all got opinions about stuff and we all can say, well, I'm just bothered about the world. I'm about, you know, let's go watch Fox News a little bit and get in a, in a good mood. <laughs> sorry, sorry, sorry. But there's going to come a day that your kids are going to get old enough to make a decision for themselves who will be their Lord. And do they want to be Christ followers? And if their definition or their view of being a Christ follower is being a Christ follower is that, you know what, what it means to be a Christ follower is that you're just angry about everything that's going on in the world. You're complaining about everything that's going on. Do I want to be a Christ follower? And they're going to make, that's why there's too much at stake. That's why it's demonic. See, listen to me. God is not nervous 
We don't need to be nervous for God. Listen, God's going to show you things in schools. God's going to show you things about our city. God's going to show you things that are going to break your heart. But if all you do is complain about it, and you don't move beyond that and say, I serve a God that has a master plan. He's got a master plan for all of this, and I'm going to seek him. I'm going to go to him. God's got a master plan for my marriage. God's got a master plan for my son. Listen, moms and dads, quit complaining about your kids. You're speaking death over your kids. You need to break that and say, God's got a master plan for my son. He may be a sorry I don't want to be careful. (laughs) God's got a master plan. My daughter, you know, whatever. You speak life over them. That's God's daughter. That's God's son, and he loves them so much. He doesn't need you doubting what he's trying to do in their life. James 3.15 says, such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. I, I think too many of us, again, um, don't stop and think about why it is that we're complaining so much and Could it be maybe that the root of the complaining spirit that's in your heart is that it's tied to a root of resentment and bitterness? That you have a a root of resentment and bitterness towards things in your life and how they're not turned out, they've not turned out the way you wanted them to be and and you just kind of complain and this is something you need to go take up with God. I want to end with a story um, that you probably have heard about, but you know, Walt Disney, um, in the 1940s and 1950s, had a dream to create parks for kids. And um, he, he just, man, he had this crazy dream, and we got a, a picture of him, and, and he bought all this land and, and, and people that worked with him would oftentimes see Walt Disney down on his knees because he would get on his knees and they would wonder, why is he on his knees? And he said, I want to get, get the view of what the kids see. And he spent thousands of dollars on all this dream that he had and he wanted to, to, to do something incredible and, and um, bought land in Burbank, California and, and um, was ready to do it all. And all he had to do was go to the Burbank City Council and get their permission. That was the only thing that had to happen. And he goes there and he he does his presentation. And in the middle of his presentation, one of the councilmen stood up and looked at Walt and said, we don't, and I quote, we don't want a carny atmosphere in Burbank. We don't want people falling in the river or merry-go-round squawking all day long. And with a slam of a gavel, the city council person completely killed Walt Disney's dream of building this park in Burbank, 
California. Now, most of us, if that were to happen to us, you think about, you know, he, he left, um, left that council meeting, packed up his stuff, drove, drove home in the dark. And um, honestly, if that would have happened to a lot of us, we would have spent the rest of our life complaining about the Burbank City Council. And Walt Disney could have easily taken that normal trajectory in his life uh, that so many of us do. Instead, do you know that biographers who have sorted through every page of his journal, every conversation that he had, they said, they said, we can't find a single time when Walt Disney said a single negative word about the Burbank City Council. He just decided, well, Anaheim is next door. I guess I'm going to build it in Anaheim. And the rest is history. It took him 10, within 10 years, Walt Disney, Disneyland in Anaheim was bringing in more revenue every year than the entire city of Burbank. 156 million people visit that park, Magic Kingdom, during this just amazing experience for kids. 156 million people visit it every, every year. And I think of this story and I think of there's so many things that happen to us in our life. And we're just stuck complaining about it and complaining about it and complaining about it. And I, I look at this man and, and, and he was doing something for the magic kingdom. And I think of we're doing something for the kingdom of God. And, and there's so much at stake. And I, I would just challenge all of us to stop complaining and get, a, get alone with God and recognize the damage complaining is doing in your life. Repent of it. Repenting. This is what we need to do. We need to repent. It's not, man, I'm going to just quit trying to you know, and I, I know you can go put a jar in your house and say, anybody that complains got to put a dollar in there and you ought to go on a great vacation. But that's not really going to work. You need something supernatural to happen. And you need some repent. I mean, I'm talking about repentance to say, God, I'm so sorry that I've doubted you. I'm so sorry that I've been complaining and begin to reshape your response to life. I want to pray for us today and I want to just invite you right there where you're at to open your heart and say, God, I repent of complaining. I repent of doubting you, God. I pray today that, God, you would do a supernatural work in my life and deliver me, God, from this habitual sin in my life of constantly complaining about my life. God, may people around me see and hear a faith in you, God. We thank you for this. And everyone said, amen. Thanks for listening to the Creekwood Church Podcast. If you've made a decision to follow Christ, we want to partner with you on this journey. Learn more about taking your next steps by visiting our website at creekwoodchurch.com or by downloading the Creekwood app. We look forward to hearing from you.